Welcome to Jabrugel. Uh, uh, my name is Georg Zachmann. I'm a senior fellow at Bruegel, and today we are discussing how national energy policy plans are feeding into the uh, European decarbonization agenda. And the, uh, the setup will be as follows. We will first have a, um, uh, a panel of presentations, uh, starting with Alexandra uh, Galikowska-Fick from uh, from Forum Energia, a Polish think tank uh, that uh, deals strongly with decarbonization in, uh, in Poland and the, uh, the energy transition in this country. It has done great work on uh, bringing all stakeholders together to, uh, to discuss this matter. Um, then there will be a presentation by uh, Carole Mathieu from Ivry, a French think tank, and uh, that is uh, working also on energy, but also on international relations. And uh, she'll present a French perspective. And finally, uh, Christian von Hirschhausen, full disclaimer, he's my former CSIS supervisor, so I have to be a bit careful. Um, and he will present the uh, German experience and the, uh, the German planning. Now, why is it uh, such an important topic? So first of all, we were quite surprised to, uh, to have uh, such a relatively large crowd. So we were expecting less people for, for this topic, I have to say. And uh, I think uh, uh, the reason why some of you came and uh, why it's an important question right now is that now all national en uh, energy and climate plans have been submitted. So the European Commission asked the member states to submit plans for 2030. What are they planning in terms of energy and climate policy? And these plans are now on the table. And now is the time for the member states to discuss among each other on how those national plans fit together and for the Commission to give recommendations by the end of June on how the member states should adjust their plans in order to make sure that the national plans are well coordinated among each other, but also to make sure that the national plans together fit very well into the European objectives. So it's an important point in time to have this discussion. And we try to bring together three countries here, uh, not to have uh, 28, that can give an interesting uh, look into the, into the national peculiarities. And what you, um, um, what you see here on the, uh, uh, on the screen it's essentially that the arrows are now going in the wrong direction, so you have to think that they are in the, uh, in the other William, direction. You, you need to ask. There it is. <coughs> so for some formatting reasons. So, okay. Um, no, we are not, uh, so here we are going backwards in time, but we want to go forward in time. So the idea is that, um, that, uh, that what you see is that, for example, Germany already went the, uh, the longest way in, uh, uh, or plans to go the longest way between 2017 and, uh, and 2030. But France and Poland also both want to go towards more renewables. They, uh, both Germany and France are planning to reduce the share of, uh, of nuclear energy. And if you compare that um, again with the arrows in the wrong direction, it looked right on my screen. I'm, I'm very sorry for that. Uh, it's very confusing. Um, the, um, um, 
the point here is that uh, that uh, that what you see is that Germany indeed went the longest way already from uh, from 2000 to 2015 and plans to go quite a long way uh, until uh, until 2030. And what is interesting is essentially that that is what uh, what is uh, based on the data of the European Commission of the OICO 2030 uh, uh, OICO 3030. And what you see here is that the plan, the National Energy and Climate Plan, essentially goes further than what the, uh, what the European Commission proposed uh, or what the European Commission scenarios would imply. For the other countries, for France and Poland, the European Commission scenario is less, uh, uh, is more ambitious than what the countries have in their National Energy and Climate Plans. And we will share these slides in a, in a correct format. Now. What we also see is in these national energy and climate plans the, uh, the ideas about electricity exchanges in the future. And I found it quite interesting that, uh, that Germany, for example, plans to continue to be a heavy exporter of electricity until uh, uh, 20, uh, 2040, and that until 2030, essentially, the current exports are expected to, uh, to stay high uh, as they are while the Polish plan essentially foresees that the country uh, does neither import nor export electricity, while France does not make any projections about that, which might be an interesting uh, discussion to have about um, how do national plans about importing and exporting of electricity will fit together. And uh, finally, uh, uh, a final slide from my side on the, uh, on the capacities of interconnectors. So what you see here and uh, is essentially that, uh, that both the interconnectors between Germany and France and the electricity interconnectors between Poland and, uh, and Germany are expected to be increased significantly in the, uh, in the German plan. So it will be very interesting to see whether, uh, whether those plans actually materialize. Now, with that kind of more um, uh, overview sort of uh, presentation that should give you a bit an idea of, uh, of the direction of travel. I would like to, uh, to give the floor to Alexandra. Welcome to everyone and thank you for having me here today. It's indeed an interesting topic, and I'm also I am surprised that there are so many people here in the room. Uh, that's especially difficult when you present the Polish perspective in Brussels. But uh, um, as uh, Georg mentioned, I am working for energy think tank, uh, which is Forum Energy, and which is quite progressive when it comes to Poland. Our aim is uh, to. Um, support the implementation of 2020 and 2030 goals. Uh, so this is what we're doing in Poland. We're trying to gather all the different stakeholders and try to explain what's um, inside Poland, what's going on in the EU, and outside of Poland, what's going on in Warsaw. Uh, so my presentation will be both about uh, Maybe I'll start here about the energy policy and about the NECP, because uh, what happened in Poland is that um, uh, the governance regulation and the need to submit the NECP actually triggered the discussion about the national energy policy. And since this is the dominant document and this is the driving one in Poland and mostly devoted to electricity sector, uh, it comes 
let's say, first in the debate, and it was mostly debated, more debated than an NECP. It came just before COP24 in Katowice last year. Uh, but bef before we go there uh, to 2030 um, landscape, I would like to briefly, um, uh, briefly present you some information, just two slides on what's going on in Poland right now. So this is not a secret that Poland is heavily dependent on coal, both hardcore and lignite. And what you see here is the electricity production in the last decade. No significant change behind us. But uh, still we have to remember that we are um, uh, going from uh, uh, almost 100% of coal to right now 78.1 in last year. So this was both lignite and hardcore production. Uh, at the same time you see here, I will show it here if possible, yes, uh, the yellow line, this is gas consumption, it is also significantly growing in Poland lately and uh, some renewables uh, mostly went, uh, but there, and this is the second slide, uh, actually the last year, 2018, was the first year when the production of re renewables went down. It was mostly, as we see it in forum, as we discussed it, because it's not, not that easy to, to find a, a good solution. Of course, we can mention politics, but it's not the, the full picture. There were two most, uh, most important issues, or quite important when, when we see that. First, of course, uh, the stalwart on new investments, and it, of course, came as a, uh, let's say, uh, lower support from the current government towards um, the renewables, especially wind. Uh, at the same time, we saw uh, the worse um, uh, weather conditions. So these, these were two, um, two issues that we saw last year. And what happened also, uh, and this is going fast, despite that the, the line is very thin at the moment, is this yellow line, these are PVs. Uh, they are actually, the installation of PVs is growing very, very fast in Poland. This is something that we need. Uh, we had a problem with summer pinks and that's why this is the solution that it's mostly accepted. The numbers are low, but still the rate is high. So we are there at the moment. Uh, not a very bright picture. Uh, and we are just before the discussion what will happen, what will be the uh, turn in, um, in Poland's energy policy. And we had two documents that I mentioned. The one was energy policy uh, until 2040. It was presented just before COP in November. The consultation lasted until the mid-January. And on the same day, on the last day of the consultation, Poland uh, presented, in Poland of course, uh, because it was sent to the Commission earlier, uh, a national energy and climate plan up to 2030 with some data uh, prolonged until 2040 to have these documents compatible. So this is the, the, the documents that we have. Both are drafts. Of course, you know that NECP is a draft, but also energy policy is a draft. We're having right now a very big conference in Poland, economic one, and we expected uh, Minister of Energy to present some new data on this draft. Even some thought it would be a new, uh, 
already governmental supported by the whole government policy. It is not yet. It's still some additional information, uh, but no big changes. So what's in this uh, energy policy? And you can, of course, think about it as about the uh, NECP and what's in NECP. It's not one-to-one, -one, but mostly it is. Um, as you see, energy security is driving uh, force behind decisions in Poland regarding energy. And this can be seen um, in electricity sector in many aspects. Coal is still regarded as a uh, maybe not a backbone of energy security, uh, but still as a very, very valid fundament. That's why you see here uh, the first point low 60% share of coal in 2030. <coughs> this is something that the government sees as both objective and indicator of, of the policy. When it comes to renewables, it's 21% uh, in free sector, so it translates to 27% in power sector. Um, the government sustained its decision that uh, or the last government, the previous government decision that uh, Poland will introduce nuclear uh, in 2033. Um, when you, when someone reads um, uh, the, the policy, there's an even short executive summary in English and there, there is the sentence I read that in the morning that nuclear appears when there is a need to uh, substitute for um, uh, withdrawn capacity. So this is something that you can read um, in the in the energy policy, and I will get back to to this in the conclusions. Uh, the third goal, uh, the third EU goal for 2030, the, sorry, the second uh, is energy efficiency, 23 percent uh, by 20 uh, by 2030. And uh, the goal of um, uh, greenhouse gas reduction is 30% uh, by 2030. So these are aims that are both in energy policy and, and in, in ECP. How the uh, electricity, I, I put here only the production, uh, it would be too long to discuss generation um, uh, capacity and, and the production. So this is production by uh, until 2040. Um, so what do you see here? First of all, until 2030, not much happens. Um, after 2030, we see the introduction of nuclear, um, speed decrease of lignite, which is going to be tough for Poland. We don't need to call a commission to decide about it because the re resource depletion decides about coal um, phase out, lignite phase out in Poland. We see uh, offshore wind that it's supposed to come in mid-2020s, but we will see more of that uh, in 2030s. And the massive support for PVs. Um, of course, when it comes to production, uh, there's less. Uh, when it comes to generation, it's much, much more. And we see decrease uh, in onshore wind, but this is something that the government actually immediately uh, withdrawn from, so we will see also new auctions for uh, wind and probably um, uh, at least um, uh, some repowering of existing uh, existing wind farms. It depends. It depends uh, on political future decisions. So it's it's not yet well defined. Uh, 
major decisions, difficult decisions are, let's say, pushed to 2030s. So this is how, how it is um, in, in, the, in the mix. Quite, uh, quite substantial um, electricity demand, demand. There's an expectation of EVs coming and uh, electrification of <coughs> We think um, in forum, in our think tank, we think that this is too high. Uh, we think that there should be more measures on that, energy efficiency, but also better sector coupling. And sector coupling in this meaning is not, I think it's a bit different. Um, of course, you can define sector coupling on, on many different ways, but in Poland, I would see it more as electricity plus heating plus transport. It's not electricity plus, plus gas as a main issue at the moment. It might be so, of course, we will discuss it, but. What it's needed is simultaneous discussion about heating, transport, and electricity in Poland. In this way, we can achieve much, much more. This is what we see. Um, emissions. Uh, what is presented in, in the energy policy, and this is the uh, average emissions uh, from the power sector. Uh, you see here that, again, this is... Uh, uh, after 2030 that the emissions will um, uh, go down more than um, uh, or from, from this um, uh, path dependency due to launching the nuclear. This is the idea of the government. Uh, however, the, the, problem, the problem is here uh, until 2030 or even earlier because what will happen, um, um, the overall emissions will go up in Poland with this kind of mix, simply because um, electricity um, electricity production will go up. Uh, so this is, this is um, something that we will observe, and there are already two years in a row that Poland increased its emissions, uh, overall emissions, but also emissions from the power sector. Data for, um, it, it's slight for electricity, but it's visible. Of course, transport that is in Germany is driving the emissions up, but uh, well, we do have a problem there. With this, we also think that uh, with renewables, the, the study with it at Forum was an alternative scenario to that. You see that it's already possible to go uh, down to 550 grams in 2030, uh, before 2030. Uh, this is about the emissions, and uh, I have two slides with conclusions. Uh, what does it mean? We think that of course, um, um, it is difficult for Poland to say, hello, we will decarbonize tomorrow. Nevertheless, we think that this kind of mix, it is kind of progressive when we compare the previous energy policies, but still it does not take sufficient account of EU targets and regulations. This, electric this electricity mix that was presented does not take into account the winter package, for example, and EPS standard. It was uh, at the, it was going on in the same time. Of course, the direction was known, but it is not included there. So it will change energy and electricity mix in Poland. Of course, um, we think that the modeling was done. Probably the modeling was done. Um, the results. Um, I'm not trying to say that they were different, but when you see the lack of onshore, which is uh, in the auctions. Uh, was much, much cheaper last year in Poland 
Um, so this is something that we think that this kind of mix um, does not really uh, does not really allow for cost and price optimization. Um, high rate of electricity demand. I mentioned that um, imports. We saw those zeros uh, that you presented, Georg, and of course, I understand that this can be done for a modeling phase. Uh, that uh, TSO, of course, there's a TSO responsible for national security, mm -hmm. and um, assume or at the certain stage of modeling that we need to have capacity, internal capacity, domestic capacity, especially um, when we are a um, country that is border, that has a border with uh, the EU border. So we don't have open, um, open borders with other countries and it's important to have domestic production. Nevertheless, assuming zero, um, it's not uh, that the reality will uh, will show that it will come different. Uh, and what I can mention here is that last year, Poland had uh, um, the, high, the record high imports of electricity. Um, so this is already, we already see that. I think that I can leave it here. And uh, what are the risks? <coughs> the lies or lack of commissioning of nuclear uh, will uh, create a big gap of adequacy, resource adequacy in Poland, if uh, it's not on time and lignite is, uh, will disappear, sorry, disappear, then we have problem. Other risk, and already observed last year, is uh, costs and, of course, wholesale prices. This kind of mix leaves Poland highly vulnerable to um, uh, rise of CO2 prices, which are imminent. Um, <coughs> assuming zero imports um, in Excel may mean um, immense imports or unlimited imports uh, in, reality, in reality. And the, the other problem is um, highly important for Poland imports of coal. Also record high imports last year and record low um, exports from Poland. So um, this is not a policy, an ECP or energy policy is not making a U-turn in Poland, but we, are, we know that the big, big change hangs in the balance in the moment. Uh, and this is, this is what we can read from data. And we will see how the discussion um, evolves this year, especially that we have elections um, each and every EU country right now, but also national elections in October on November at uh, climate, smog, coal, um, uh, gas, coal imports, electricity imports, electricity prices. These are major, major topic that has never been so um, visible in the discussion as they are at the moment. Um, so thank you for the attention and that's all from my side. Thank you. Thanks a lot, Alexandra, um, for, for both introducing the, the Polish plan and also assessing a bit from, from your perspective what the, uh, what the risks are and the, the uncertainties around this plan. Are. There are a couple of interesting things for, uh, for me and dive into that deeper. Uh, I would like now to, to give the floor to Carol to So Thank you, Gail. Thanks to all of you for being here. Uh, I hope you hear me well. 
first, I, I should start by saying that um, IFRI is uh, independent from the French government. I'm not a civil servant, I'm a researcher. Um, so I, I will try to present the French energy plan, but in non-official terms. Um, I, I will try to provide uh, contextual elements to uh, explain where the decisions come, come from. And of course, uh, for today's discussion, try to highlight the more regional or EU um, dimension with this uh, energy plan. Um, so our, our starting point here is uh, the release of uh, two major uh, draft documents. Uh, so first, the long-term uh, decarbonization strategy, uh, SNBC, uh, in December uh, 2018, uh, which is actually showing the way forward to reach uh, um, net zero emissions by 2050. And this uh, carbon neutrality objective is uh, now being introduced uh, in the law. Uh, the law has not been adopted yet, but it's, uh, it has been presented uh, to the government, and we expect uh, a final adoption uh, by the end of 2019. Um, and the second uh, big piece of, um, of um, documentation is, is the multi-year energy plan, so uh, PPE, uh, Programmation Pluriannuelle de l'Energie, um, which is actually uh, showing the, diff the, the changes in the energy mix uh, uh, between 2019 and uh, 2028 with the uh, an interim step in 2023. Uh, um, so roughly uh, all of this uh, is in line with the NECP uh, uh, timeline because uh, uh, these two documents are draft uh, documents. Uh, they are under consultation at the moment and uh, they should be uh, finalized and adopted by, by decree uh, by the end of the year. So uh, on time for the submission of the final uh, NECP. Um, so before we jump to uh, electricity, I think it's uh, worth uh, saying a few words about, about uh, the, the overall um, uh, energy and, in fact, uh, climate uh, ambition. Um, so, so this is mostly from, from this uh, uh, long-term decarbonization strategy. Um, Without surprise, um, the, the document shows that the most important change for, for, for uh, uh, the timeline 2030-2050 will be uh, a sharp drop in uh, energy consumption. That's the key main driver, of course, based on uh, strong energy efficiency uh, efforts and energy conservation uh, efforts, uh, circular economy principles, etc. So going uh, uh, beyond uh, energy policy. Um, then decarbonized electricity will become the dominant energy vector, uh, while fossil fuels should be uh, phased out. Um, and and bioenergy, so biomass, uh, biofuels, renewable uh, gas are expected to, to play a complementary role. Um, and it is also the case for renewable heat. Uh, so that's the key uh, trends that we should observe over the next uh, decades. Um, now, how, how do we go there? Uh, because one of the central challenge will be to reduce this uh, uh, energy consumption. Um, um, and, and, if it, and if it is a trend for uh, 2050, of course, uh, you should start uh, uh, reducing uh, energy consumption uh, uh, drastically for, for the next decades. Uh, so it has implications for, for uh, this midterm document, the PPE, uh, uh, forecasting uh, 
uh, energy changes for 2028. Um, the graph shows how uh, final energy demand is uh, expected to decrease uh, between 20, uh, 2010 and, and, and 2028. Uh, so final energy consumption uh, should decrease by 7% in 2023 uh, and by 14% in 2028 compared to uh, 2012 levels. And uh, there are sub-targets for fossil fuels uh, decreased by 40% by, by 2030. So this is quite uh, ambitious, and, and to reach these targets, you have uh, several policy uh, measures envisaged in the plan. Uh, I should start by saying that the first one is uh, carbon pricing, carbon taxation. Uh, of course, uh, for the ETS sector, so the EU part, but also for the non-ETS sectors. And, and there we, we come to the discussion on, on carbon taxation. Um, the, uh, the, the objective was to have a progressive increase in carbon taxation for non-ETS sectors and uh, reach uh, 86 euros per tonne in, uh, in 2022. But as you uh, probably know, uh, the planned increase for, for 2019 has been uh, frozen or even cancelled uh, after the Gilets jaunes protests. And uh, so up, up to now we are at a level of uh, 45 euros per tonne. <clears throat> and and, and uh, the initial plan was to go to 58 euros in uh, January 2019. This has not been the case, and uh, and for now uh, there is no clarity uh, on carbon taxation uh, for the coming years. The ground debate is over, and uh, the first conclusions have been um, uh, have been given by by the French president, but no single word on on, on carbon taxation. Uh, it seems that taxation as such uh, has become a difficult uh, issue, so uh, uh, at least for now we uh, don't know uh, at all what, what will be the strategy for, for the next years and if carbon pricing will play its role uh, for achieving the, the, the energy consumption targets. Um, this being said, the government is uh, uh, still uh, pushing for energy efficiency measures. They are, uh, plans for uh, improving um, uh, energy efficiency in buildings, uh, support for high-performing uh, heating systems. Uh, the white uh, certificate schemes um, uh, is, uh, is uh, continued uh, over the next period, so beyond 2021, and also uh, uh, for the European uh, part, uh, EU emission standards are also expected to uh, reduce consumption from the automotive sector. And there are some measures also to support uh, car sharing uh, in France and, and other similar measures. So it's a policy package, uh, but because of the carbon pricing part, we still don't know uh, whether it's in line with uh, the policy targets. Um, now turning to electri electricity, uh, I think it's important to, uh, to, to, to uh, um, just say a few words about the current situation. Uh, so, of course, uh, as it is well known, France is um, highly dependent on nuclear for its electricity production. Uh, it's about 45% of installed capacity, but 72% uh, uh, of uh, total production in uh, last year, 2018. Um, it comes with... Uh, two major advantages for, 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 for France. The first one is that the, uh, the electricity mix is uh, more than 90% decarbonized, uh, which is also helpful uh, when it comes to uh, total JHA emissions for the country. Uh, France is uh, uh, ranked quite well uh, among uh, G7 countries, for example, for JHA emissions. 
And the second aspect uh, is about um, uh, um, uh, uh, energy prices. Uh, and the fact that retail electricity prices in France are, are uh, lower than the EU average, uh, 50%, 15% for households uh, according, according to Eurostat figures, for example. Um, so this is the starting point. Uh, um, but it, it's important to note that uh, a new consensus um, uh, has been forged in France, and, and this is reflected in, in the PPE document. Um, dependence on nuclear is considered uh, excessive. Uh, the 72% uh, uh, share is, uh, is uh, uh, broadly too much, at least for, for the next decade. And, uh, Almost everyone, uh, even probably including nuclear operators, uh, see um, the opportunity to uh, to uh, have a more uh, uh, diversified, uh, balanced uh, electricity mix for the future. Uh, so the idea is that uh, nuclear should be reduced to 50% and leave room for renewables, which are becoming more uh, competitive and also develop new uh, industries uh, in the country. Uh, yet reducing the share of nuclear should not come at the expense of first um, uh, security of supply and second uh, climate protection. Um, this is why the 50% target has been shifted to uh, 2035 um, uh, instead of uh, 2025. Um, this is because um, for, for, I mean, the, the, the official justification is that uh, sticking to 2025 would have meant uh, uh, building new gas stations. Uh, so, uh, um, uh, accepting that, that the, 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 the carbon performance of, of, our, of, of the French power system uh, would be uh, decreased. So, um, uh, this is why the government chose uh, to uh, postpone this target by, by 10 years. But uh, despite this postponement, now we have much more clarity on how this will be implemented. Um, there are very uh, detailed elements in the PPE on, on capacity closures. Um, the first uh, important step will be closing the two reactors at the Fessenheim station, so close to the German border. This will be done by spring uh, 2020, and um, I mean, I mean uh, in, in every situation, it's even in the Aachen Treaty between France and Germany, so it will happen. Um, then the second uh, step will be closing down all four coal stations, so that's not much compared to other countries, but it's 35% uh, uh, of total CO2 emissions from the power sector. So it's an important improvement. Uh, all of them should be closed by, by 2022. And, uh, and now um, emission standards are being introduced uh, in the law. So uh, if this law is adopted in, in 2019, then the coal stations uh, become uh, uncompetitive in, in 2022 and they will close. So it's not administrative closures, but the result will be the same. Um, then the next step will be to close two nuclear reactors in 27 and 28. And uh, an, an interesting element of the plan is that it includes um, a specific clause that you could uh, call a German clause, uh, which says that possibly two additional reactors uh, uh, could be closed in 2025-2026 um, if the regional context is favorable. So it's difficult to, uh, um, to understand what it means, but basically, uh, <coughs> A prerequisite uh, uh, would be that uh, Germ Germany uh, 
goes with its uh, coal phase-out plants and that it has a very concrete elements um, uh, going in this, in this direction and perhaps then the French government could uh, uh, make another step uh, toward Germany and close uh, these, uh, these uh, power, uh, nuclear power stations earlier than, than foreseen. Um, this being said, in total, uh, 14 reactors should be closed by 2035 to reach the 50% target. Um, at this point in time, we don't know uh, uh, which reactors will be closed. Uh, the PPE, the draft PPE, sorry, um, asks uh, EDF to um, submit a list. And what we know for now is that uh, no stations will be closed apart from Fessenheim. Uh, so it will be one reactor um, uh, here and there uh, to minimize the, the social impact. And we also know from EDF that, uh, of course, they will take into account uh, safety, the investments necessary uh, for each reactor. So, of course, the, the oldest ones uh, will be on, on the list, probably. But, but uh, other aspects such as uh, climate change and um, the, the, the impact on, uh, on, the, on nuclear uh, will also be taken into account. So, for example, uh, nuclear stations on the Rhone River uh, uh, will probably be a primary uh, 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 targets for, for, for the, the, this uh, future list. Um, uh, I think a, a, another important aspect with the PPE is that it uh, somehow uh, validates uh, the idea of uh, extending the technical lifetime of reactors so beyond, beyond 40 years. It, 40 years is not an official limit, but there are 10-year uh, inspections. So, uh, um, um, uh, there is an open question on whether reactors uh, will go beyond 40 years, um, um, but but with the with the targets presented in the PPE, the assumption is that if the Nuclear Safety Agency uh, gives green lights uh, for for technical life extension, then then it will be the case, and it's uh, it's in line with the with the government's position. Um, uh, in any case, um, uh, this. Uh, the, the, the average age of, of, of reactors in France is an important parameter. Um, the average age is, is uh, 31 years old. 75% um, of, uh, of all French reactors will reach this uh, 40 years threshold by, by 2030. This is because all of them have, have been built uh, in less than uh, 25 years. Uh, so on, on the graph you see um, how French nuclear capacity uh, would change if you assume a 40-year uh, technical lifetime. Of course, the capacity will not decrease uh, as, as sharply because extensions uh, will probably be uh, um, approved uh, because there is this massive investment program called the Grand Carénage to improve safety standards, uh, modernize uh, the reactors and make sure that uh, the nuclear safety agency um, uh, gives uh, the green light. Um, but in any case, even if you assume uh, a maximum 60-year technical lifetime, uh, then, then your conclusion is that uh, 50 uh, gigawatts uh, of nuclear capacity will have to be put uh, offline by, by 2050. Um, so a fair assumption is that uh, uh, you will go for a, a progressive phase-out of these uh, reactors. Not all of them will reach uh, 60 years or even 50 years. And it's a good option to, to actually dec start decommissioning reactors, some reactors, quite early on, as, as the PPE suggests, <coughs> to uh, 
to um, um, be able first to manage the social uh, impact and, and first to uh, anticipate and, and replace capacities uh, progressively and, and avoid this uh, cliff edge uh, uh, effect or risk. Um, the conclusion is that beyond 2030-2035, uh, we will need a new uh, decarbonized electricity production means in France. Um, it's, it's clear from the, the graph that uh, we had before on the screen. What is less clear is uh, what production means uh, will be uh, built. Will it be renewables plus storage or other uh, decarbonized flexibility sources, or will it be renewables plus new nuclear? Um, so this is for 2030, 2035, but uh, in fact, if you want the second option, so renewables plus nuclear, to be a, a credible option, um, then, then you have um, some implications because uh, uh, there is a risk that the industrial capacity uh, disappears. It's, it's already a proven risk and it's already experienced with uh, uh, the EPR uh, one. <coughs> But if there's no uh, perspective for the, for the nuclear industry, then you can doubt the fact that they will be ready to uh, and, and, and effective in, in building new reactors. Uh, the second point is that you need to take into account the long delivery time. <coughs> um, in, in official terms, from EDF terms, um, you need close to 10 years before, between the decision, so the, the investment decision, and the commissioning of the first pair of reactors. And then uh, EDF says that they would have the capacity to, to build one uh, reactor uh, every one or two years. So it means that uh, if you want to replace totally the capacity by 2050, or build at least, I don't know, uh, 10 reactors or more, um, uh, then, then you need to start uh, with the first one uh, uh, by 2030 or 2035. Um, <coughs> the conclusion is that uh, the, dis the discussion on, on a new built uh, nuclear will have to come uh, quite soon in France. And this is uh, actually um, um, quite clear in the PPE because uh, uh, it says that by mid-2021, the government has to gather all elements, so of course, with industrial players, with their plans, uh, to be able to take an informed decision on, on what uh, production means uh, should be favoured for, for uh, beyond 2030-2035. So, of course, when they say mid-2021, it means that uh, no decision will be taken uh, before the next presidential election. So, basically, the idea is that uh, France has to come clear on, on the long-term role of nuclear uh, after the next uh, presidential election in 2022. Um, so it's difficult to say uh, uh, whether the government will uh, go in one direction or the other, but at least we can try to identify key factors that will play a role, I think. Uh, well, obviously a prerequisite, I think, for, for the French nuclear industry to be credible and, and present its offer um, would be uh, the, the, the commissioning of the Flamanville APR by mid-2020 as planned now, but uh, as you probably know, it's still quite unsure and there are still discussions uh, with the Nuclear Safety Agency on, on the wells and the, the, the additional works that could be needed, might be needed. If it's the case, then the schedule could be again postponed, which would, uh, I think, uh, make very difficult the, the discussion on new build nuclear, obviously. 
Another aspect, but I think perhaps less uh, decisive, is the implementation of Hinkley Point C uh, project. Um, then uh, it depends, of course, on the ability of the French nuclear industry to define a competitive EPR2. So they have um, highlighted several uh, uh, cost reduction drivers, uh, more standardized production, uh, digital engineering, um, well, many, many elements that, that, could, that could help them define a more competitive uh, offer, but it is still um, an open question. And I think it comes with the need to define a robust uh, uh, waste management strategies because our, our storing sites uh, have been designed um, for the existing fleet with the assumption that they would go to 50 years, 50 years uh, technical lifetime. So uh, there needs to be a discussion on the future of uh, nuclear waste management. Um, I think industrial sovereignty will also play a role. Um, so, of course, employment, uh, uh, according to the nuclear industry, it's, uh, and it's actually in the PPU as well, but it's uh, uh, 220,000 jobs and mainly highly qualified jobs, maybe compared to other uh, uh, decarbonized uh, industries, it, the, the high qualified part uh, could be a difference. Um, and also, of course, the French industry is spanning um, uh, the full range of nuclear activities. That could be an ex external dimension. Uh, the, of, the, of course, if France phases out, phases out nuclear, sorry, the, the export strategy, I think, would be put to an end. And this has implications for um, international relations, let's say. And then, uh, final word on the regional EU dimension. Of course, France will look at uh, uh, neighboring countries' experience, uh, including the success of Germany in phasing out both uh, nuclear and coal. Um, if, uh, um, if Germany is successful and, uh, and, um, and decarbonizes its electricity uh, mix with renewables and uh, uh, decarbonize flexibility sources, then, then maybe it could incentivize France to, to uh, go in this direction uh, or not. Um, I think then we have a market design discussion because uh, the financial costs are, are, in a, are an important part of the competitiveness for, for, the, for nuclear. So in any case, um, there will be a discussion on the risk, risk sharing schemes. So basically state aid uh, discussions. So it will involve the European Commission and other member states. And the last point I want to say is that I think this market design discussion should not be seen isolated from the discussion on climate. Um, if, uh, we have, if we all conclude on the need to go for carbon neutrality by 2050, then of course uh, the nuclear has a, has a case to make and it could, be a, yeah, um, it, it could have implications on the choices we make for market design. That's it, because I think it's already too late. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Carol. Um, again, very fascinating and, uh, and great that you made this transition to the German case and the uh, success or non-success of the uh, of the Energiewende. So, uh, Christian, the floor is yours. Okay. Thank you. Thank you very much. First of all, for the invitation, and uh, also for the possibility to to discuss bilateral, trilateral European issues. Um, also interesting to we come to this in the second round to discuss. For example, I, I wasn't aware, but it's an interesting uh, idea to kind of trade off closures between coal and natural gas and, 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 and nuclear. What I will do in the next ten minutes is to provide an overview of the German situation, but I'll put this into the European context. 
And actually, as I announced to Georg, this is a shameless uh, marketing for the book that we have just published. Um, <clears throat> but actually, it combines the Energiewende in Germany with the European context. Since we're in Europe here, um, I will start with this. The book itself um, has uh, three parts. I will summarize part three on Europe first and then come to the NECP and what's happening in, in, in Germany. As, as, as Caroline, I need to say that um, I'm talking on my own behalf um, and I, I will give some, some normative aspects as I, as I go along. Let's, let's start with Europe um, here. And I brought, I brought this map because, first of all, I love Europe. I'm truly European. My wife is French. Um, <clears throat> I love France. I love the, the low prices. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit worried about the 50 billions that, that EDF is sucking up from the state budget, but that's not, that's not my problem. Um, <clears throat> we also see that Europe is diverse and colorful, and that's normal. Energy policies and the energy mix is a national prerogative, and that's the way it is. So France is red, Poland, as we've heard, is, 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 is lignite and, and hardcore. Germany is, is the combination of the two, which is funny. Red and coalish. Sweden is very red, nuclear. Spain, interesting. Um, capacity payments in 97, so it's yellow. Italy is yellow, um, so we have, surprisingly, and we had the, the Single Market Act in 92, for those of you who remember, the national energy mixes, as Georg had shown, are very still, still very diverse, and, and that's the way it is. Um, <clears throat> there are three aspects on the European side that I want to highlight, though, and <clears throat> I could read you, Georg mentioned I'm a professor, usually I, I read texts. This has 300 pages. I won't read it to you, but I refer to you from time to time. It's part of the marketing effect. Um, <clears throat> there's not the slightest chance that nuclear um, <clears throat> is part of an economic low-carbon strategy. And the simple reason for this is that nuclear has never been part of any economic uh, electricity mix. A colleague of mine, um, <clears throat> Ben Wheeler and myself, we have looked together with a nuclear engineer from France at all of the 674 nuclear reactors, that is all the European ones and all of the rest of the world, that it's not a single one that has ever been built under market economic uh, conditions, which does not prevent Chinese and, and others of building this, but that doesn't have to do anything with economic, low cost, um, energy mix. This is also consensus. I looked at hundreds of articles in the literature and there's not a single one that states the opposite. If anybody of you knows, please give it to me. I'll, I'll put it in the next book. There is none. MIT, <coughs> Chicago, Dazzler, my old friend, um, agree. Lucas Davis from Berkeley. Um, <coughs> economic perspectives of nuclear are hopeless. François Levesque has this nice chart in here that, that shows the costs of nuclear, referring to what you said. They have been always going up. 
which does not mean that they will always go up. But for the last 50 years, they have been always going up. And it's unlikely that this will change. My <coughs> research topic is, is nuclear decommissioning and nuclear waste. And there's, there's another chart in here that, that I just want to refer to because that's something that's often forgotten. Um, <clears throat> decommissioning is com complex. In Germany, there are only two of the 30 or, or so reactors that are decommissioned. Um, and the, <clears throat> the end of the period where the nuclear waste is stored safely is currently targeted for 2140, 2140, which is 120 years from now. I'm part of a research consortium where we discussed this recently, and this is considered to be very optimistic by the engineers. Um, okay, um, there's another issue that our chancellor raised just yesterday coming in this morning, I found this on the first page of the FAZ, um, <clears throat> with respect to net carbon and the idea that you could have uh, net carbon by putting carbon into the ground, which was a funny idea 10 to 15 years ago, but that it was abandoned for good reasons. And so Ms. Merkel says in the FAZ this morning, um, I read this in, in German, <clears throat> CO2 müsse gespeichert. Werden, um das Entweichen in die Atmosphäre zu vermeiden. Um, so CO2 has to be put in the ground. Except, um, excuse me for the publicity, I've, I've looked at each and every single project of putting CO2 in the ground, and there's not a single one that works. Bienschweide, um, Porto Tolo, Road. Belchatov, Compostilla, Don Valley, Killingham, Langonet. It's a failure. It's a disaster. Now, people <laughs> recognize this and they say, yeah, we, we don't do CCTS. Let's do bioenergy CCTS. Except if you don't have CCTS, you can't have bioenergy CCTS. Doesn't make sense. So, the, the most recent gadget is <coughs> direct air capture, which is a gadget because it assumes that you can take. CO2 from the air, from this air, 450 ppm. But if that worked, then it would be much easier and much less costly to do CCTS because you have the, the, the full CO2 flow, right? So that doesn't make sense. And um, I've put a little, I put some references here because I think um, we need to talk about um, positive reductions of emission. Negative emissions don't exist. Doesn't make any technical sense. Um, <clears throat> there's an issue about uh, the clean planet for all strategy that we refer here and that we have worked upon for some time. And that is a, <clears throat> um, a phenomenon. I call it a paradox. It's a nuclear power paradox. How can a non-economic technology appear in the reference scenario for a considerable amount? Um, anybody has any answers to this? Let's talk about it after the lecture, because I would like to know it. And um, uh, our assessment of a 95% reduced 
uh, the European composition of the electricity mix, in this case it's electricity, is that it's um, almost 100% renewables, wind, hydro, little bit of solar. That ends the European setting, but brings me, of course, to issues at the national level. This is not the, recent, the most recent plan that the German government <laughs> submitted, but it's the plan of 2010 of the Energiewende. And you can see the glass half full or half empty. I, I'm an optimist. I see the glass half full. I see that there are two criteria that are fulfilled. One is not fulfilled, the CO2. Excellent point to put pressure here. Um, <clears throat> the reduction of nuclear energy, <clears throat> which is still on the table and um, is going on relatively quietly, is um, <clears throat> scheduled for the end of 2022. Um, there have been eight plans put out in 2011. Uh, last year, <clears throat> uh, one. This year, it's, um, it's um, um, Philipsburg, 2019. And then we have two more steps in 2020 and 21 and then uh, 22. So that's, that's no big deal to the extent that there are currently huge overcapacities, prices are low, no problem. The issue that you mentioned, Carol, is um, coal um, <coughs> restructuring. You may have noticed that there was this um, <coughs> uh, multilateral commission proposing a, a closure of the last coal plants by 2038 with an option to, to move this to 2035. We've done calculations on different types of phase-outs. And like in Poland, it's important to close down the lignite early because it's the most dirty in terms of CO2. So let's take the moderate phase-out would be sufficient to attain the target, which is a correspondent CO2 target. Here it's about 150 million tons. But the, do, doing it earlier would make economic sense because it's the cheapest abatement measure. So it would make sense to have a rapid phase-out, close down lignite relatively early, and use the hard coal as the transformation fuel. And that would save another 50 million tons for other sectors, for example, transportation. Um, an interesting point that I think we should discuss more is the natural gas phase-out. I see different, we can pick this up in the discussion, in, in Poland natural gas was going slightly up, France natural gas was kind of disappearing. Um, our assessment, and, and this is our modeling exercise, not the official statement, but it's relatively close, is that natural gas, this red here, it, under strict carbon constraint, net neutrality, is going to disappear. Now, <clears throat> there are options, of course. There's biogas, and there are other options for other gases. And uh, that's a point of discussion, perhaps also of diversion, of diversity between the countries. Um, <clears throat> and that's it. If you want to know more, read the book. You can even read it online, but you can also purchase it. And uh, I'm very happy to discuss these issues and others with you. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. uh, thanks, Christian, for also providing the ground for, I think, uh, uh, a more heated debate on, uh, uh, on fuel mixes in the different countries. Uh, 
But I think I would leave the discussion on nuclear more for um, for later or maybe even after the event. Um, and I would now like to um, to essentially get the panel together to uh, to discuss a bit on essentially how is coordination between the countries possible? What's the what's the potential benefit? What's the issues essentially that link these countries? Now we have all these national plans that all look different in, uh, in the direction that they are going, and that all will have implications on each other. So I see a couple of, uh, of issues there, like uh, on the network side, uh, questions of loop flows and, uh, and how we uh, organize uh, phase shifters, question of markets, on how carbon markets on, uh, uh, will react on, on German or Polish uh, decisions and how that might affect uh, French or the other way around. In terms of trade, so what are the expected imports and exports of uh, of both energy and uh, and, uh, 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 and and other goods? And in terms of uh, of national capacity, so is this really the, the mix that we are going to end up with? Is this really uh, somewhat close to an optimal European mix, or is this something that we uh, that we end up with a system that is completely overbuilt and, and highly inefficient? Um, so that's. I think more questions than, than we can answer today, and I think there's a lot of questions that uh, that nobody will have the answer to uh, right now. Um, one observation to uh, to uh, uh, at the uh, at the start for me would be that um, so far I have the impression that uh, from the drafting of the first plans did not yet have any coordinating function, and there was. As far as I understand the, uh, the Commission idea, the idea was that this NECP drafting would be a trigger for, uh, for cross-border discussions. And in the resulting NECPs or draft NECPs, I didn't have the impression that, uh, that we saw that. Um, I would like to, to go in the, in the order of the, uh, of the speakers to, uh, to give some thoughts on the, uh, on the points about coordinating um, member states, national energy and climate plans. Uh, Alexandra? Uh, from which topic shall I start? <laughs> from the last one. Uh, when it comes to coordination, cross-border coordination, I think that NECP was for some majority, or at least many countries, a lesson to coordinate inside the government. I think that uh, the necessi necessity to take into account all um, sectors of economy was for some the first uh, such exercise. And I think that this coordination will come later. It depends on what the Commission says and sees. Um, I cannot tell right now how it can be done. Even if, if we discuss among ourselves, uh, there's more question marks. The, the issues that you mentioned before, imports, uh, CO2 prices, um, uh, flows of electricity um, uh, and imports of uh, other fuels. It actually means that if you take into account the decision on of the one country you had to change hold the modeling of uh, um, your exercise, uh, domestic exercise, because when we do any modeling we need to assume what will happen with German uh, lignite, with French nuclear, uh, Belgian nuclear, some probably Dutch coal, or other um, uh, other capacities in other countries. This, this all impacts the modeling, the results, and I think that uh, at the expert level we are ready for that, at the governmental level not yet. I don't even see how to um, how to how to start discussion on of that. I understand that there might be some issues like. 
common uh, renewables auctions, that this is the way forward. Of course, this is discussed, this is needed, um, uh, but it's still rarely seen in the EU. So more question marks on that. I think that on ECP, this is the both, both exercise for everyone at the moment. And uh, I don't see this coordination, not yet, not, not yet. Um, well, I, I think that uh, clearly the, the, the regional aspects have not been taken into account uh, um, during the drafting process. I think uh, uh, each country, at least it's true for France, wanted to uh, build a consensus nationally and, 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 and the focus has been, I think, the social aspects. Uh, it's the case for, for coal closures and nuclear closures and the industrial aspects and then make sure that at the national scale uh, you do not face a strong adequacy issue uh, but, but taking very conservative assumptions on, on, on the, the cross-border uh, cross trade uh, aspects. Um, but obviously, uh, 2019 was supposed to be the year when uh, they start coordinating. Um, I'm not sure this is the case. Uh, I don't have the exact reason, but um, uh, maybe it's also because on, on the national uh, scale, the, the, some decisions are not yet finalized. Uh, it's probably the, the case for, for, for the German coal phase-out. Uh, we have an elections. Uh, we have elections in in Belgium. Perhaps it will come uh, afterwards, uh, but then we will have a very limited time scale. Um, and, and, and some, I, I know that some people in, in, the, in the power sector are already uh, um, raising concerns about uh, the adequacy situation uh, uh, beyond 2023, because all we know is that we will lose firm capacities, uh, but we don't know exactly if the, if the national plans fit together or if everyone is uh, counting on, on their neighbor uh, to, uh, to uh, face uh, uh, peak periods and, and, uh, uh, and during winter times. So um, I don't know if, it, if, the, if, the, uh, if the first elements will come from NSOE and the, the, the regional adequacy assessments or, or from uh, national players. Uh, or think tanks, maybe, <laughs> uh, but, it, but uh, obviously the governments will probably not be the first one uh, tackling these issues. Um, I mean, for the French part, on, on the carbon market, I think the, the government has given up on, uh, on, on trying to, to set up a regional approach. Um, they have spent months, uh, even years, uh, trying to talk to their neighbors and uh, at some point uh, silence means no and uh, it doesn't make sense to, uh, to, uh, to lose your energy on such topics. So everyone, I think, is, uh, is uh, uh, making the assumption that there will be no uh, coordinated approach to carbon pricing and perhaps even, I mean, from Perhaps a fair assumption would actually be that uh, 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 coal capacities are, are, are phased out, uh, potentially <laughs> without uh, the cancellation of, of the, the corresponding quotas. So, uh, yeah, a fair assumption could be not to bet on the carbon price to uh, to drive the decarbonisation of the power sector. So. 
question what, uh, what risks do you see from lack of coordination? Uh, well, first, first of all, as I said, I'm an optimist and uh, <clears throat> I, did, I did an exam on the European internal market in, in 1986 and those of you who remember know that we have done huge progress. I mean, we have an integrated electricity market, market coupling um, for <clears throat> Central Western Nordal um, on the Iberian Peninsula, which is working. We have initiatives like the, <coughs> the let's call it the C CV CWE, um, <coughs> the Nordal market. Um, there's there's an initiative towards Southeast Europe, which is progressing rapidly, and which should be left alone to deal with. Uh, capacity issues. There are, there are no capacity issues within the 2020s. There are huge overcapacities, that's why the price is so low. So even though Germany will close down some nuclear plants, there will be the, the French coal plants, don't worry about the um, capacities in the, in the 20s. We can talk about the 30s, but, but the 20s are, are, are safe. Um, going to, to natural gas, which I think is becoming more interesting or even more interesting than, than, than electricity. I think uh, there's not much progress in joint uh, cooperation um, in the electricity way. Um, we had th these discussions at the time of, of uh, the CESA project that Georg and, and myself participated 12 years ago or something. Why don't we create the same market, nodal pricing-based uh, capacity congestion-based for natural gas. It's probably the last chance to save the sector because if prices remain very high, then um, <clears throat> the idea of getting LNG in, which is even more expensive, uh, will not work. And uh, the only chance for natural gas to survive is to become cheaper. Um, um, I'm halfway optimistic about, about uh, CO2 pricing. If it's not I mean, we have the ETS, which has a, a strict target. That's fine. It may not be sufficient, but it's 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 a it's an in instrument that that is in place. Needs accompaniment um, in transportation, in, in, in housing, etc. You mentioned the, the 86 euros. In our models now, we we take the real social cost of carbon, which is about 200 euros. The real social cost of carbon is about 200 euros, and we use this in our models because we want to have an idea of what the real social costs are. I'm well aware that we can't implement this immediately, but I'm modestly optimistic that we're on the right path. But we shouldn't go astray. But we don't want to talk about this now. We can do it later um, on expensive ways of dealing with issues that don't, can't be resolved economically. If I, if I might just add, because in the preparation we had this issue of cross-border human flows. <clears throat> to go to Warsaw from Berlin takes about seven and a half hours. To go from Berlin to Brussels takes about seven and a half hours. This is ridiculous. We can't save the world if we fly to Brussels and to Warsaw from Berlin. Uh, usually this should take two and a half hours maximum. 
let's stick with electricity for now and uh, uh, open the discussion on, on transportation another time. Um, so I would like to, to open the floor now to, to you. You have been very patient uh, for, for your questions. So I would like to remind you that the main topic is electricity mixes in the different countries and the need for coordination between them on a, on a European scale and the risks of, uh, of not doing that. Um, please introduce yourself if you, uh, if you make a comment so that we understand where it comes from. Yes, one question from John Arnold. Yes, thank you very much. It's a very good debate and I think very highlighting a number of uh, major issues. So I see a lot of parallel between France and Poland where the debate is mainly to save PGE and EDF and where you don't think about uh, such important things as uh, energy efficiency. I've not heard a lot about energy efficiency. I have the impression that uh, in France and in Poland, uh, electricity demand will grow uh, all the time and uh, that there will not be uh, any reduction of consumption. And by the way, it is not the policy of EDF to reduce the consumption of electricity in France if it wants to keep 50% of nuclear share in 2035. And uh, so uh, that's one thing, energy efficiency, I think, is completely missing in the debate. And second, I would like to know how these national plans have been built inside the country. I think there's a unique opportunity to open completely the discussion about the energy and climate uh, policy in 2035 and to uh, have a discussion which is... Uh, not between those who know, but uh, also with uh, the population, especially with all these march on climate and things like that. And I have not the impression that any national plan has been built on the basis of a wide consultation of the population and all, all the people who have something to say. So that's my two questions, energy efficiency, and second, the way these national plans have been uh, built before we speak about coordination, because that's another issue. That's one more question. Thank you. My name is Peter Bocek. I'm with the chemical industry here in Brussels. And um, one, um, I, I listened with great interest, and uh, I heard the remarks of Professor von Hirschhausen on, on France spending uh, state budget on electricity, on nuclear energy, basically. In Germany, it's, it's comparable, maybe, when you look at the surcharges and taxation. It goes to renewables. I think it's in the order of 20 billion per year, going to a fraction of the um, electricity generation. My question is, um, there is an a decency um, issue hanging in the air with regard to the national plans, like when does the electricity, uh, will it be generated? It's not about capacities, it's more about will there be enough electricity when it's needed and what happens to the excess electricity. In Germany, as far as I see the relations, uh, basically the, uh, Germany is an exporting country with regard to electricity big exporter, but the volumes that Germany exports is about the volume that it generates by renewables. So the funny thing is, you could ask the question, are the renewables for export? 
And does Germany earn money with that, or does it does it lose money with that? So on energy efficiency. Uh, th thank you for, for the questions. Uh, I mentioned energy efficiency and I mentioned that this is one of the issues that we see as the uh, most important uh, points that we wanted to highlight in consultation period that this um, imports in Poland, either, if, even if we know that the average is lower than the EU, that we, um, uh, that we need to um, be very precise how we define um, electricity demand. What we see is that the government took the highest um, uh, possible path uh, that stems from um, uh, electrification of heating and transport. We see this is the way for Poland and we see that this way we can go around the gas. Uh, so we see the need or we can acknowledge there is a need for electricity consumption growth, but we need a justification. And we know that already the Ministry of um, Energy took uh, notice of that and this will be decreased. Uh, so this is one issue. The other issue, ener energy efficiency, I think that uh, I concentrated on electricity, but there is a huge potential in heating sector in Poland. So if we go to heating, then uh, I think that this is the missing issue in the heating center. Huge potential in individual heating, in individual buildings, um, uh, even in um, very inefficient um, district heating in Poland. Uh, for that, we provided, as Forum Energy, we actually published a big heating strategy a month ago, because there, this is the sector where the problem lies in Poland, with smoke, uh, with inefficiency, with high costs, with energy poverty. It's not electricity, but at the same time we see that there might be a growth in electricity demand uh, due to those sector coupling issues, and this needs a well justification. It's not there yet. So this is a missing issue mainly in energy policy, and that's why it is missing in my presentation uh, to a big extent, but it is something that needs to be, be tackled. When it comes to coordination, at the, at the moment, uh, coordination, stakeholder involvement, coordination in, uh, um, in the stage of drafting. No, it was the usual way of drafting uh, between administration. Uh, the stakeholders' involvement came later with the public consultation. It was simultaneous uh, done with energy policy and NECP in Poland. Um, this, this is what I mentioned. We, we finished energy, um, consulting energy policy on the day when the NECP was released. And we know that there will be a cross-border consultation plus the feedback from the Commission. So the society both expert society and ordinary people has no idea how this will play out. Will we get new energy policy first, then reaction on ECP from the Commission, then what? So, uh, no, it was not a consensus building yet, but I think that there is a demand from uh, Polish people on that 
because of all the issues I mentioned, electricity prices, air pollution, uh, withdrawal of coal, this is also debated. Uh, so there is, there will be a bigger, bigger impact. And one issue is this, um, um, I won't use this word, but let's say not a very good idea of uh, wind, of onshore wind phase out. This totally, mess, this, 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 uh, totally disappeared from uh, from the drafts on ECP and from the, the we, we hear that we will have more onshore wind. So this was the immediate reaction of the public public audience in Poland and the immediate reaction of of the of the government. So I think that this is, again the process of learning how to engage uh, the public on that. And the big issue for this will be, I think that there will be two or three issues um, in Poland. Phase, uh, phasing out coal in heating in individual for individual households. This is huge. This is needed, but it's it's highly expensive. And this is the social problem that we are um, we just facing. Um, uh, phasing out of coal in electricity plus what to build instead. Is nuke on the table? Do we want more gas or or renewables plus storage plus imports and then imports is Germany capable of importing with uh, lignite and nuclear phase out there are um, uh, decreasing uh, export capacities uh, later on so th th there are big problems that will be both discussed uh, I do I do hope I'm an optimistic too so I do hope it will be more discussed within society. <coughs> Um, yes, so first, energy efficiency, I fully agree that it's important. I had two slides on it, and, uh, but perhaps we should do more, and, and, and for that I agree with you. Uh, in terms of policy measures, uh, it should be the number one issue, but our topic was electricity. Uh, on stakeholder engagement, uh, at least for France, there has been um, uh, um, an extensive consultation for, during several months, uh, so involving the, 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 the general public. Everyone could submit uh, its own view on an online platform. There were debates everywhere in, in France, and uh, uh, so th this was an important part of the process, and it is also why it's a lengthy process. And now we are in another consultant stage uh, with um, formal organizations, so uh, various councils that uh, uh, that we have in France. So I think on, on this side they have tried to um, to have a, a, a very broad discussion. Uh, you could always uh, improve, but I think it's a, it's a good start. So I'm ready to criticize the French government on, on, on many aspects, but for this, obviously, uh, they, they have tried. Um, on, uh, on, on maybe on, on, on uh, uh, having electricity when it's needed, uh, I, I don't have a definite view, but uh, clearly we are now moving in a quite convergent direction, as you showed uh, on your graph. Uh, so this is good news in 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 yeah on on one side, but then on the other side, it means that we are going to somehow. Um, uh, 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 
uh, make worse uh, some of our, our current issues. Uh, uh, yeah. So the, the fact that uh, we have to, to, to deal with the periods of uh, very high uh, renewables production, but uh, uh, so if, if everyone uh, relies on exports or imports, we have, an, we have a problem. Uh, so um, the, the need for coordination uh, uh, is actually going to increase, and I think at some point, um, uh, um, although we have agreed on the clean energy package and stuff, um, the, the market design issues are going to come up again uh, uh, for various reasons, but, but including, I guess, uh, firm capacities and the need to invest in some capacities, so any, any capacity, be it nuclear or anything else, I, I'm really not pushing for one option or the other. But in any case, for all investments, you seem to have a problem with the current market design. So, um, so, so then it's not about really coordination, but clearly EU energy policy. Christian, on the last question, may I add one uh, in terms of should in the end, NCOE, the one that is essentially assessing the, the, uh, the adequacy of everything, or should there be the European Commission, or who, who would, or should, uh, you are saying the market is essentially uh, uh, taking care that, uh, that we have adequacy? Uh, would you have any take on uh, what is the coordination function? Yeah, uh, that, that referred to, to, to the last question. Just, just briefly, uh, there, there are two points. Um, the, the, the responsibility for for adequacy is um, technically, of course, with, with, the, with the network operators. My personal opinion is that it does not make much sense to make them profit-oriented because there's becomes too expensive, it should be ISOs. Um, and then the, the national governments and uh, probably not not Jean Lloyd, but but some uh, some regional coordinator is taking the responsibility and should implement um, capacity instruments that has been done for 150 years and, and there's nothing dirty about it. It's just a matter of, of, of managing this, and that also refers to the question on on the on the pricing. I think we need to separate. The pricing, what, what you want as a, as a heavy industry is, of course, subsidized electricity. That's your right, because you provide jobs. And uh, this has been the way since the 1860s. Heavy industry, energy-intensive industries has always been subsidized by household consumers in Europe. In India, it's different, it's vice versa. And that's, that's okay. Refers me to a, a presentation Georg gave two days ago in, in, in Berlin on the need to take into account social and distributional aspects. But I think um, <clears throat> this is okay as long as the price tendency is, is upward because we don't want to have the uh, rebound effect in, in, in waste. And uh, as uh, someone else mentioned, uh, increase electricity consumption or energy consumption beyond what, what's, what's reasonable. Um, just for, for uh, Jean-Claude Vinois, um, on the um, participation and the contribution of, of large stakeholders, I think, but I'm probably too optimistic after all, I think we've made huge progress. Think of, of the past, uh, and that's only 10, 15 years ago, I think Hilbrecht was, was, was the head of unit at the time, when we tried to come up with questions, how much capacity does Europe have? Where are the electricity lines? And everybody said, this is too, too, too dangerous to disclose. 
Um, and I, I have the documents, you have them, um, and that's only 15 years ago. Today, I just come from a, a meeting with a commission where we discuss open data, everything's transparent, Georg, and, and everybody can, can look up capacities, etc., make um, <coughs> calculations, have different assumptions, of course, which leads to an open debate. So my feeling is that I'm not worried about participatory aspects in this uh, NECP project. And once again, thank you very much for having developed this. You, you just need to finish one work, that is to avoid Nord Stream 2. So I <laughs> wouldn't want to have a discussion on, uh, on that right now. Um, I think the um, word before was a, was a good last word in the sense of saying that the NECPs indeed provide us now transparency of what different countries' internal discussions stand. And um, in that sense, they are a big step from, from where we were before. Also in the sense that they now acknowledge the role of member states in shaping the, the electricity mixes of the countries, which before was assumed to be left to the market, but at the same time left to the governments. I think now it's becoming more clear that the countries have a significant role to play, and putting those plans out there in the, in the open and discussing them is exactly, I think, what the Commission had in mind of, uh, of doing. Uh, I think both on the think tank level, but also on the member state level, now is the time to, to use those documents and discuss more, essentially, what the critical issues are, where the linkages between the, uh, the different plans are, and, uh, and how, to, uh, how to optimize them. My worry is that, uh, from, from what I understand today from the, uh, from the presentations, is so far the plans have been very much focused on the individual member states' national consensus and have not been opened up the disc uh, discussion. And there is a high risk that it stays like that and that we, that we just stay with the national energy and climate plans. Uh, and therefore, it's a, uh, it's a role of, uh, of think tanks and uh, of, uh, of policymakers and, uh, and all stakeholders to essentially make sure that uh, this proposal by the Commission to have a discussion on, on NECPs is, is take, uh, taken up uh, and that we get to a more coordinated and more optimized European uh, system. I would like to, to close here and, uh, and thank you all for participating. I hope it hasn't been too technical. I hope we see you again soon and thank you very much.